Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here at Cause Pods, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes. Whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who's just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, state, country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guests' favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Joining me here on the podcast today, we are talking to Motalani Ogunsaya. We're going to refer to her as Mo moving forward. She is the host of the More Civil podcast. This is a podcast for blacks and Asians and those who love them. And it gives them an opportunity to have a platform about culture against the backdrop of important issues. And we will go through some of those issues here today. Mo, thank you so much for joining us here on Call Spots today. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. So, Mo, you could probably do a much better job of explaining to the audience what is the Mo Sybil show all about, who's your audience, and what kind of change are you trying to impact in the world today? Um, well, like you said, it's a platform born out of a, um, a place of struggle and growth for people who are struggling and who are also growing in every sense of the word. And I describe it as a podcast for Blacks and Asians and those who care about them or those who love them. So some might ask, why Blacks or Asians? I mean, isn't that restrictive? No. There's a third component, those who love them. I mean, who doesn't love Black people or Asian people? And which is a real lot of people if you think about it. And um, so it's, um, I, I look at, you know, different issues, cultural issues that are very important to Asians and Blacks. And there's a reason for choosing those to be components. And I'll talk more about that. So issues like acculturation problems, travels, preserving cultural values. Um, as Blacks, our relationships, or as Africans, our relationship to African-Americanness, developing resilience, building emotional support, mental health issues, um, surviving grad school, and so much more. And I describe myself, um, the host, as a Nigerian-born, U.S.-educated, Korean-speaking struggling intellectual. And so all those components, all those moving parts that I just described are elements you see on the show. Um, I am an immigrant. I moved here from Nigeria eight years ago. And so um, the podcast was just, it's just almost like a homage to all of the struggles and the growing pains and the success stories that I've you know, achieved here in America. And my main, my main aim is just to build community and um, make the world, you know, a smaller place. I mean, as a Nigerian, especially you get to hear a lot about your country, may way more about your country when you're away from your country, and usually from sources that are one-sided. And I just thought to seize that narrative and tell our stories better and show that, you know, countries are countries and people are still people. So, yeah, that's the base of my show. And I have a Korean-speaking part because I am I'm very well vested in that culture. It's my second culture. I speak the language and I have family there as well. I mean, friends don't family. And so all of those elements you see on the show as well. I like at one point you describe in your you know description as sort of like a support group for those populations. I love people who use podcasts as a way to form community. And so what has been the response so far amongst both the African-American and Asian-American and African Asians, broadly speaking, to the community? Oh, it's been very positive. I mean, initially when I started my Korean journey, maybe about five years ago, there was a part of me that kind of felt like, you know, I was being fake about it. Like, how do you explain to people, like, you're Nigerian. Why do you love Korea so much? 
But I always tell people like the how I've come this far with my Korean speaking, for example, and just my love for the culture, the history, the economic development. I had the interest, but then the way the people, the, my Korean friends and family, the way they responded to me, you know, gave me a Korean name, they've adopted me, they could see that genuineness in me. And it's where I see Nigerians or people from other parts of the world, how we can also spread the good news about, or not just the good news, but the things about our culture to other people, because there's always so much we have more in common that, that separates us. And yes, um, and if you look at the list of episodes I have on my website or on my, wherever you're listening to the podcast on, topics are very varied. I mean, issues that, that are really taboo in these cultures. And because if you think about it, there's so many similarities between, you know, African culture and Asian culture, you know, that love for family, um, respect for elder ones, um, food, celebrating our own food, um, the modesty and all of that. So, there's so much similarities, and of course, that you know, the similarities as well. And so, but to answer your question, it's a very long-winded way of answering your question. The um, response has been very positive and overwhelming. I'm um, overwhelmingly positive, and I like that. You know, different topics that have been explored in the show. It just shows people. It shows their stories. So I want a place where people can say, "Oh, I thought I was the only one struggling with this, but here, after listening to your episode, I feel connected. I might not have all the answers to my problems yet, but knowing that somebody else with a name and a story like mine is out there and they've overcome it, I, I believe that one day I might be able to get out of that situation at all. So yes, that's you know, that's just one of the big aims and one of the things that keeps me really happy and it makes it easy. It makes it gives me a lot of joy to know that it's impacting you know. A couple, it was really just a couple of people that let me know how the episodes impact them, but uh, there's some form of um, connection that is being made out there in the world. It keeps me, you know, excited to keep it going. The podcast that is. And I noticed in the description you talk about certain issues, mental health issues, heart stories. I mean, these are issues and characteristics that you describe: love of family, care for elders. I mean, these are characteristics and issues that cross all types of groups and ages and generations. But is there something specific about how you address them that are specific to the groups that you focus in on? And, and is there a reason why you felt these groups needed that kind of representation on those topics differently from what's out there already? Very good question. I had to tell myself that I had to reach that point of self-determination where I could boldly tell my stories. So take, for example, the issue of um, infertility and pregnancy losses. In the Western world here, by Western world, I mean America as a whole, it's it's a little bit more discussed openly. But way back where I'm coming, where I come from, you don't talk about those kind of things because there's a there's a heavy stigma on it. But I've you know explored that a lot on my show, and I've talked about my personal experience with you know pregnancy losses and infertility issues. It was almost like the prize, like I but I kind of like created an avatar of myself when I did that episode. Why I just bore everything that I've been going through for the past, you know, eight years of marriage and just the difficulties. And that was one of the most reactions, one of the most reacted upon episodes I've ever had because people could see that rawness and that genuineness. And I think because I have done my own job of being vulnerable, I think the key, there, the key thing there is, you know, the vulnerability coming from a cultural aspect because I do understand, you know, my culture to a very large degree and, you know, to a small degree, the Korean culture and just all of the taboos and the topics you don't talk about. Same thing with mental health issues as well. I um, struggle with, you know, intermediate bouts of um, depression and anxiety and have explored that, you know, how therapy has helped me, how my faith has helped me and, and just that concept of it's okay not to be okay. And these are not things that are genuine, as, that, that are, you know, germane as far as, you know, no one is talking about it. But just the way I explore it, like just a, a no holds barred approach 
of just talking about things that people will be like, is she crazy? Like, you sure she's Nigerian? How come she's just, you know, being so bold talking about things like that? So I think the unique factor there will be, will be me. And if you listen to my episode, you can, you can just tell how genuine and just how I don't, I don't try to gloss over issues because I know the consequence of just keeping quiet and just letting things, you know, um, step in because it's, I've done that before and that really damaged my, my mental health. So I decided, I decided that, okay, no, either going to go all out or just go back home in every sense of the word. So, yeah. So I suppose that the struggles that you have dealt with personally and, and wanted to create this community, wanting to create a space for other folks is sort of what led you not only to create the podcast, but to create this brand as a whole. How has having these ventures helped you today? I think the response I've gotten from friends, especially, or let me give you an example. So after that episode that I had released on um, my miscarriage and all that, and it was really very, um, a lot, it was emotionally tasking for me, but I knew it was something that I wanted to do. And another thing I had done was to reach out to a couple of my friends who I call villagers because there's an African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. And I took a spin on that to say it takes a village to help you when you've lost a child. And so I called those people the villagers. And what I had done was to have them leave me voicemails so I could, you know, embed that in a podcast episode and share with my friends and share with my listeners in case anyone was, you know, ever struggled with, you know, pregnancy losses. And I invited them to partake, you know, in that support that my friends were going to put out there and since that episode I've seen almost like a a turn in my heart because I feel like there's nothing in my life I can't talk about now because you know that big thing that I had that I had looming over me like you know how do I explain to people like you know married for eight years no kids and you know and there's so many cultural underpinnings to that and so I had somebody reach out to me recently maybe two months ago opened up to me that they had schizophrenia and I think I was talking to you about that earlier on and she said the only reason she could trust me with that was because She's been listening to my episodes and she knows that I'm someone that she could trust with that story. She had never told anybody except her family members. And she lives in Nigeria, you know, where even mental health issues, like, I mean, if you think about the Cadillac of mental health issues, the ones that are hashtag worthy, like depression, anxiety, you can still get by saying that. But schizophrenia and, you know, psychotic issues like that is like a no-no. And we explored her story on the show and it, it really helped her to at least hear her voice to be out there, no pun intended. So yeah, that has really helped me because I know that being in the public space and talking about my own issues, I had to get there. But the fact that people can trust me with their stories and know that I'm not going to just, you know, make them worse off than they are. And I still keep in touch with these people like that I share their stories, especially the personal ones, because I don't want just I don't want to just leave them in the lurch. Like now that I've gotten your story, bye bye to you. Now I still um, offer some mentoring programs and like informal mentoring programs, checking on them, see how they are doing. Like the one I told you about with schizophrenia, I'm helping I'm helping to raise money for her, you know, social media platform because it's ready to come out as a Nigerian struggling with schizophrenia. And I'm sure she's not the only one, but to have a name and a face and someone chronically in their stories and their day-to-day life living as a 30-something-year-old unemployed schizophrenia person in Nigeria, that is, you know, something that, you know, really makes me glad. And I know it started by me just saying I had to let go of my misconceptions or just those things that I thought were holding me back as far as not being able to share my story. So the genuineness has really helped me attract more people to be able to be bold to, you know, to, to share their stories, even though they might not be the same stories as mine. But I think the levity and the way I have handled the stories I have featured on my platform, that has created a lot of trust. And I don't take that for granted. And it's something I want to keep doing. Why, when you were thinking of doing this, why podcasting specifically? Like what had you gravitating towards this medium? 
Good question. I was born in the 80s in Nigeria and radio was my life. My country wasn't open for the longest time. We had a military era. So um, TV stations and all that was a luxury having a TV set. And so radio was my life. Um, I was that child that had a transistor radio by my bed. I broke down many times. I would piece it together, put it back on. And I just like hearing people's voices because I'm a visual. I do a lot of experiments on myself. On my VARC model of learning, I'm very high on visual. We radio, I, I like that I can hear the voices and just imagine what the people look like. And it, it was more like a spiritual experience for me growing up. So um, leaving Nigeria and moving here, I wanted to sit, keep, you know, listening to radio. But there's so many ads and, you know, just so many things on radio these days that I, I just didn't want to be a part of it. So just stumbling upon podcasts um, in 2011 was like a big change for me because before then I didn't even know that such a platform existed. And so I listened to a lot. And I like that you can choose your podcast space based on topics, you know, if you wanted something on financial health, travels, there's always an app or a podcast for that. I remember that while I was in grad school, I had had a couple of three other Nigerians together. We, we always had just deep conversations around the dining table. We'll talk about stuff. And I told them, hey, it seems like we're just, we have many great ideas. Why not let's start a podcast? And they're like, what's that? So I told them about podcasting. So we set out to do that. We had all the gadgets done, but, you know, it failed to launch. And Fast forward four years down the line, I was just in a funky space where I thought I needed to have my voice out there. I write as well. I, I blog about my experiences and I just wanted a medium that was going to reach people more, just be able to bring more people to talk about some of the ideas that I had. And my husband was just like, hey, why not just start your podcast idea? And I was like, hmm, pray tell. And, and that was it. I mean, it was born from my love for radio and just uh, the flexibility to explore different topics you know, and, and it's convenient as well because I have a full-time job and I don't think I would really have a lot of time for like YouTube channels and whatnot, but a podcast is convenient for me and it, it's also fulfills that passion that I've had for radio as a kid. So when you were first doing this versus when you're doing it now, like what were some of the challenges that you faced and, and you know, how did you overcome those? Oh my gosh. I am um, it to the note, like because I have a scientific brain, as it were. And so it was, there was so much work that I did launching, um, before I launched my episode, I had to define my audience. And I, and I don't take credit for, you know, the success of my show. I have had a lot of people point to me. I've had a lot of mentors, you know, help me define my audience, help me define, you know, what my goal was, what my vision was. I had to come up with a list of potential topics. And so it got to a point where it was like, just go ahead and launch. And I'm like, no, it's not perfect yet. And I remember one of my mentors, Dr. Ayamide, telling me, no, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just go ahead and launch. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, are you sure it's okay to like let go of that button and just click, you know, enter? And so I think that was more my personality type than the challenges of podcasting. But at the end of the day, I realized that it wasn't about me, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and I think the beginning part was the, I described myself like, I don't really like the technical part of things. Editing is one thing that, you know, sucks the life, you know, out of my podcast experience. And so I've had to find ways to either when I, I don't earn a lot of money through the show currently. So I had to invest a lot of money on my, from my personal funds to be able to have people edit the podcast out for me. But um, so that was one big challenge. And 
another thing was defining the scope of the show. I didn't want it to be boxed in a corner, like, you know, um, was it just going to be black and Asians? But that's too restrictive. And they're like, no, you need to define your audience. Like, give me a name of your audience. What does she look like? Where does she go to work? At what time of the day will she be able to listen to your podcast? So when I visualized all of that, I was able to tailor content to that. And initially, it was just, you know, growing pains of trying to do something new for the first time. But now I'm on a cruise control where I'm comfortable with the idea that, hey, the editing doesn't have to, I can't be, it doesn't have to be 100% perfect, but as long as, I mean, the content is genuine and it's real, people can look past that. But um, that said, um, getting the right microphone, trying to adjust the volumes, um, making sure that there was a balance. I mean, all those things I had to learn. But if you're a geek like me, you probably would, you know, overcome all of that. But um, don't be too neurotic about it. Just, you know, so suggestions for those that are starting out. Write a lot of things down first. I have a notebook where I still I still have it with me, where I wrote down the ideas for my show and basically um, some topics, potential topics. It gets you started. Now you don't have to be a stickler and just stick on that. Like it has to go that way. No, just I just have something to start with. And with time, you find your rhythm, you find your your niche, you find your people, your tribe. You know, it's not it's not about trying to gain like a number of listeners that are fickle that will come and go. I want to build a consistent. Um, listener base, people that come there because they want to come there because they want to, you know, get something that will make them better people in their processes, not just, you know, about the, sh- the buzz and, you know, the the trending um, fact, trending, you know, phase of, of things that come and go, but just about substance, something that can, people can live with and, you know, think about their lives in a better place and they can find meaningfulness, meaningfulness in their life and processes. That's that's perfect. And then it, it, you've answered a lot of what my next question would be is what's your advice to aspiring podcasters that are thinking about doing something for a cause, like how to do it, how to get into it. And I think the advice you gave there is great. So instead of focusing on the podcasting itself, I want to focus on the community building. What would be your advice there? Because so many podcasters, it's not just about putting out a show and then hoping to get a huge audience and profiting off of it, but it really is about, you know, slowly building a community of people who support you and, and, you know, want to be a part of it. So what's your advice there as far as, you know, maintaining a community and keeping people active and, you know, interested in what you're doing on a regular basis? Thank you for that. I think just to be one, be genuine in what you do. People can see right through that. And I call it the BS meter of these days. I mean, people, it's so sensitive these days. People can smell you from a mile away because we affect so much on social media, right? So be genuine and, what you want is not the crowd. You want your tribe. And so you can see the shaft from the from the um, width, right? And that's one. And be consistent in what you do. If you say your podcast is a weekly podcast, guess what? Make it a weekly podcast. I have I'm yet to like miss a week that I didn't, you know, edit stuff. And I have a full-time job as a professor of pharmacy, which, you know, and I'm on a tenure track, which is crazy. It's like the worst time of the of my career ever to start a podcast show. But be consistent. Be where you're supposed to be and, and say what you mean. That's too... And then three, um, just, you know, in your genuineness, have a feel for what your take some time and take a pulse of your community. What kind of topics do they like to explore? You know, and so I do um, every six, seven, six to nine months, I send out a listener survey to hear back from my listeners. Some of the feedback that I got last time, I mean, people, a lot of people like the content, but there was so many feedback on the quality of the audio. And so I knew I couldn't ignore that for that. So I had to splurge a little bit and buy, you know, advanced microphones. And it may cost me a lot, but, you know, I did it for the tribe because if you have good content and you have poor quality, it kind of just takes away from 
the the joy of listening it's almost like a dubbed video like you don't want to watch even though, even though it might be like next thing since sliced bread so yeah um, be genuine be consistent and every now and then take a pulse of your community what what would you like to talk about and some of these topics might not be things you necessarily agree with but when you're in a public space and you call yourself like a pub you're providing a public service guess what you're going out there and find out these issues you don't have to like you know pick a point or pick a side and and defend your opinion you can have dialogue i've had people that have different you know faith as me i had a muslim on the show i'm christian by the way and we just explored you know topics like you know so why do you think islam is associated with violence and you know why do you think there's a lot of misconceptions and these are issues that they will tell us not to talk about around the table so mentioning sex religion politics i've explored a lot in my show and not from a standpoint of trying to shout and get my points across but it's to have dialogue because i believe in the concept of cultural curiosity i believe it's okay to ask me questions now i don't have to answer your questions but i believe that it's okay to let people think that it's okay to ask questions a lot of bad ideas once they air them out and you just expose them to air, people can hear them somewhere and be like, oh, that was a very stupid question. But you can also teach people, like, I'm sure this is what you meant to ask me, right, if I'm correct. And sometimes you can find people that are just being jerks about the questions they ask, like, you know, are you ever going to go back to your country? And like, are you just curious about my travel experience or you really want me, you know, as an immigrant, like sending me back home? So those kind of things. So yeah, um, I, I've had to like just sometimes bite my upper lip to um, basically um, explore some topics that I wasn't initially comfortable with. But like I said, if you're in a public service like this, you want to help your, your community as well grow through you. And sometimes it might not be something that it, the growth that is that you need at that time, but you know it's something that can help somebody else that is listening to your show. Gotcha. That's great advice. So now, usually usually with cause pods, when we bring somebody on, they, they have a specific charity or a specific cause that they are supporting, and therefore we set up a donation link to support that charity, that cause. But you do something very similar to what we do in that you collect donations and then you make charitable donations to various causes that you believe in. So I wanted to get a sense of how your support works, how you pick your causes, and then What's the latest one that you're looking at right now as we're chatting here in June? Well, thank you for that. A lot of the charities that I have raised so far have been for people back home in Nigeria. And so I had a lawyer last year and he runs a free legal clinic for those that had been illegally detained in jails back home. And so I made a cash donation to help with um, rehabilitation. And, and I like that idea of just raising money for different causes or different topics because it helps to in a way diversify the the charity and and these are causes that i know that once you know the money we donate is going to be put to good use so the one i'm currently doing right now i have two prongs of um causes that i'm raising money for and i had spoken a little bit about that was for the sister with um my friend for the with um, schizophrenia and she had been out of job for like, years and so she stopped using her medications and um, so that really put her at a very in a bad spot as far as the voices and all that. So I wanted to get her back on the meds because as a pharmacist, I know the importance of adherence. So I have been monitoring her and I was able to raise some money for her. And the next um, phase for that is to help her set up a, a channel, like a YouTube channel. So she'll need money for like, you know, a laptop, a phone, a steady power supply, way to get steady parts of like because she's somewhere in the south south part of nigeria where you know i mean most parts of nigeria they have a lot of, we have a lot of epileptic power supply so basically raising money to help her get her youtube channel because she's ready to come out of the shadows and talk about you know living with schizophrenia then i also do a lot of mentoring program i do a lot of educational awards i always tell people that education got me out of poverty because growing up my parents didn't have a lot but they invested heavily 
you know, in our education. And that's why I, I could, I was able to like move this far in life or get this far in life. So I believe in education and I believe in quality education. So I've helped to donate towards courses for like paying tuitions, getting books. And I always try to mentor people. I, I try to match people with, you know, their donations. So if you're donating money, you, you know the person you're donating the money towards, you know their name, you can hear from them directly what your money has done. So a lot of it is, you know, goes towards the uh, intended participant. And that's how I'm, you know, I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to build around the show. Uh, I don't want to be, I'm just like a conduit. I know people that need money. I know people that have money. I want to connect them together. So none of that really stays, you know, with me. I think that's a great, great way to look at it and a great way to operate. And hopefully we can get you some more support so that you can take on more of these great causes. If you are interested in doing this, obviously we will have links to the show and to Mo's Patreon page, all that there on the cause pods, but you can also check it out more specifically at mosibyl.com, M-O-S-I-B-Y-L.com. Once again, we will have links to all of that on our site. And if you want to go straight to the Patreon, patreon.com slash more Sybil, M-O-R-E-S-I-B-Y-L. We have been, we have been chatting with Mo Talani Ogunsaya, or better known as just Mo of the More Sybil podcast. Mo, thank you so much for joining us here on Callspots today. Thank you so much, Matthew, for having me. And I like the way you say my name, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support their favorite efforts. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And remember, if you have a cause pod and want to join me for an interview, please check out causepods.org and fill out the interview request form. If approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you're doing with the CausePod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on CausePods. Pods.